0: You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Last week, uh, Tyler mentioned that we're going to be beginning a new series as a church, and we've already begun looking at it in our life group, which is looking at Ephesians. And so uh, the mantle has fallen to me to kick us off on our Sunday today. But just a brief of backstory. If you weren't at Life Group, well, I didn't, because we'll be covering Ephesians as well in our Life Groups. It'll be great as we go through the book together, just to really understand uh, what we're saying. This letter was written to hope and faithful in uh, Ephesus, uh, in a place uh, called Asia Minor, Now, today that's called uh, Turkey. And uh, this letter was most likely only sent to Ephesus, but it was also passed around to various churches in the area, in, in that in that province, so that those who you know gathered together, who wanted to, to who believed in God, could even be blessed by what Paul was saying. And in his opening greeting, Paul shares God's plan of salvation, how the Father had planned it, how the Son had paid for it, and the Spirit given as a deposit, sealed it in those who placed their faith in God. An amazing display of grace. And this is only just the opening greeting of Paul's letter, and there's still so much more to go through. And so this morning, I'm sharing from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. And it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There is a lot there, and there's a lot to be encouraged by as well. Because, as I stated, this prayer, though written for the believers there, as Paul was addressing the holy and faithful in Ephesus and surrounding areas, is also a prayer for us who believe today. Here's a question I just want you to think about. If Paul was living today, what would he have heard about your faith and your love for others? What would he have heard about our faith and our love for others? What would people say? What would people be speaking about? What would be the ripple effects? You know, Paul heard of these things, heard of the faith and love of the believers in Ephesus. Somehow, that, that what they had been doing had reached his ears. So if Paul were alive today, what would he have heard about us? And it's important to recognize the significance of Paul's prayer. And I believe it's a prayer that we should be pray, praying for one another regularly. As he was praying regularly for the believers there, so too we should be praying for one another the very things that Paul was praying. And he began by asking for spiritual wisdom and revelation. In other words, an unveiling. And this spiritual wisdom and revelation, it's something that we cannot gain in our own understanding, our own logic. It only comes from God. And he was praying that God will grant them a, a spiritual wisdom and revelation for a fundamental purpose. And These are the points that will cover this message today, which we should take home with us. And the first of this, first of these is to know Him, to know God better. Our faith journey does not stop when we accept God as Lord and Savior. We must seek to become better acquainted with Him. It's not just a case of saying, yes, I believe, and I'm just going to carry on with what I was doing before. No, Paul was encouraged them. I've heard of your faith and love. Now get to know God better, build in your relationship with Him. Try and try and grasp Him more. Get this intimacy with Him. Even in in James uh, chapter four, verse eight, it's, it tells us how if we draw near to God, He will draw near to you. In this. Uh, passage in Ephesians, he says that you may know him better, and he was praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eye, you know, when I look at the Scripture, there are questions I'm asking of it. What does it mean to know him better? What are the eyes of our hearts? What does that even mean? Enlightenment is not done in our own strength. We need God's guidance, His Spirit to guide us, as we earnestly desire to seek Him more. As we step outside, Okay, God, I have this faith, but I want to know you more. We've got to, we've got to trust the God-given, and the Spirit, this understanding to, to grasp that. Because we can't do it in our own strength. Our intellect, our emotion, our will, that's every part of us. It's not just logic, it's every part of us. There's, there's one thing to know, God, intellectually, to to study scripture, to kind of gain a logical understanding. But it's another thing, with all of our beings to come into that relationship with him and to know him. To have that connection with him. We don't understand God on a merely intellectual level, but all of our being grows in submission and awe of who he is. His Lordship, we've been singing of it today, how great he is. Great are you, Lord. It's one thing to say it, there's one thing to actually live that out, to actually have all of our being just grasp that. And quite simply, I ask myself, how do we know Him better? How do we? How do we even begin to grasp God? It all starts here. We have this available to us, His Word, and it doesn't. It's not just a passing over, over. The scripture and just a casual reading—it's actually God. What do you want to say? Who are you? Speak to me through your word. Let me grasp you. I want to know more. Interestingly enough, as I was um, doing my degree in biblical theology, um, the prison epistles, of which Ephesians is one of them, were what I was studying. And it's interesting how you can do a study of it, but then when you come back to it and actually spend the time just to read it again, what pops out? difference between just studying, studying to go through a program, to then reading it again, spending the time to dwell on the words and say, okay, what are you really saying in this? And in the second thing, We have here, first of all, we need to know him better, but Paul goes on to say, to know the hope. To know the hope to which he has called us. Again, it's amazing the songs that we were singing today. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. Our Saviour's cross has set the sinner free. What is this hope? What is the hope? Another question I'm asking here, what is the hope? God, what is the hope that that we are called to? And I see here that Paul is trying to encourage the believers to spiritually see God's call to hope, a hope of deliverance from the penalty, the power and the presence of sin in our lives. Christ has come and he's broken that. He's made a new way. We have hope in his name. We are no longer chained down. But we are set free. Amen. It's a hope to be holy just as He is to be holy. It's hope that we are now children of God. We are adopted as His, as his children. There is a f- future secure in His name. Isn't that amazing? Just three words. To know the hope. Know the hope. And it covers so much. Our future is secure in Him. There is a hope of his calling. God has planned our salvation from the beginning. He took the initiative. He all took the first step even before we had breath in our lungs. He already made a way that if we accept by faith, we have a hope, a future secure in him. He, we have hope, church. You have hope because he thought of you from the beginning. He bridged the gap. And there's also increased hope in knowing that there is blessing and joy in Christ from now through to all eternity. The question that sparked in my mind was, what am I placing my hope in? What do I daily place my hope in? Is it in worldly things? Is it in the flesh? Or is it in spiritual things? The flesh is temporary, but the spirit is eternal. And it's so easy to get, they get caught up in this world. It's so easy to let, allow daily life to weigh us down that we forget the hope which is before us, the hope that's in His name, hope of breakthrough. And as I was reading through this prayer, I was thinking, it continues. There's more. There's more. Know him better. Okay, I want to know him better. That's, that would be great. Just to sit before God. Okay, God, just speak. Just speak. I want to know you better. And then, of course, you got, know the hope. Well, there's a future secure in him. That's, that's fantastic. But then it, Paul continues to know his glorious inheritance. One Peter, Chapter 1, verses 3 to 4 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. There is a heavenly inheritance of living forever in the presence of God. To be like Christ and to reign with Christ is an inheritance like no other. I don't know about you, I can't grasp that. It's beyond my limited mind, this inheritance that's before us. As we place our faith in God, become adopted as his children, we now have this inheritance eternally with God, our Father in heaven we can have moments like we had this morning where we get lost in praise and worship for eternity that's that's amazing (laughs) that's incredible just to put this in uh, perspective a little personal story for you it may sound like it's completely off the beacon track but it will get there so hear me out Uh, a couple of months ago um, a decision was set before me because my car, my old car, was re- literally running its last race. I had the decision to either keep sowing money into it or to actually take the decision of maybe it's better to actually part exchange, get some money for it and get something new. Fortunately, I was, I was looking at my finances, you know, I wanted to be a faithful steward with the, the money that I have. And I was thinking, you know what, I can do this think I can do this, but well, I can get something new and then be okay. I'll be on the road safely, not in a, in a car that I don't know what's going to happen next. And the um, thing is, is that the same thing happened to my sister a year ago. Her car failed its MOT, and my dad said to her, we'll help you out. My sister, maybe we not in the financial situation, I was, and my dad said, don't worry, we'll help you out. And then my dad turned to me and he said, You know what? We treat our children the same, your mum and I. And so the same money that we sold into your sister's car will also pay for you and your car. And if there's any, if it's more expensive than the money we're paying in, but you can make up the difference. And I'm sitting there kind of going, You know, it's okay. I did plan that I would have enough. And I said, No, we treat our children the same or happily paying the same amount we pay for your sister and I know I'm in a very privileged situation here because not a lot of, a lot of uh, children or parents are in the same boat that I am so I was very grateful and um, I turned to my dad and I said Dad, you know I really appreciate this I just want to say I'm really thankful and he said it's ok it's just your inheritance I'm spending <laughs> here's the thing is what amazed me first is that even though my dad has said to me I had conversations with him and he said to me you know, "You know, I appreciate you and your faith I will never have a faith it's something that I don't believe in what he said in that conversations we had is not far from how God looks at us he treats us the same inheritance One of us is not going to have a big inheritance than the other. It's the same for all of us who believe. Treats us alike. The only difference is, and the big difference is, my inheritance is temporary. And another, I don't know, however long I make it last, our car, again, will break down. I'll have to sow more money again. Well, I have to decide whether or not I need to take that decision again later down the line. But God's inheritance, it's for eternity. Yeah. There, it's not going to break, it's not going to fade away, it is there. Also, what, what blew my mind is that we are an inheritance for God because He paid for us by His Son. In Christ, we have a wonderful inheritance, and in Christ, we are and inheritance. We are valuable to him. Just think of the price God paid to purchase us and make us part of his inheritance. Isn't that amazing? But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Fourth point, Paul was saying, to know the power of God for us. To know the power of God for us. Power is a great theme that we can see through, through Ephesians. And Paul spends more time of this in this prayer. He spends more time of this than the previous sections. Nothing compares to the power of God. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. That means there's nothing more powerful than him. When you're all-powerful, there's nothing more powerful than you. Pretty simple, isn't it? His power has no limits. Now, this is what I mean by things popping out of the scripture when you look through it and dwell on it, because it says, and he's incomparably great power for us who believe. So, this power, God, all-powerful, his power is available to us who believe. The same, we, we can tap into this power. And usually, like I said, you ask questions of Scripture. But Paul has done us a favor here by actually telling us what this power is like. Really listen to these, to, to these verses. It will be on the screen. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That power is available to us. (laughs) What? I don't get it. This power is available to us. Tom Wright says it like this. The greatest display of power the world has ever seen took place when God raised Jesus from the dead. And I would add to that, and ascended Jesus to be, to his right hand. And it's, it, it, the, Paul says that Christ's rule, he has victory over all rule, authority, authority, Power, dominion, and title. Christ rule over all these things is complete, is total. And it's available to us. This power is available to us. Amen. We believe in his name. Amen. I want to make something clear, though. That doesn't mean that we can then become conduits. You know, doing, doing tricks to impress people. I have the power of God in me. <laughs> doesn't kind of work like that. Doesn't mean you say, in God's power, bang! Doesn't work like that. God's power works in ways unimaginable. And many things God achieves by His power is done in us. If you struggle from a problem, a hidden sin maybe, God's power can bring breakthrough in that situation. If you're walking through a situation that you can't work it out in your own strength, God's power in us can bring breakthrough, can break the chains. So not everybody can see see it, but you know it. In Philippians 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. In the NLT, it says, For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Wow. In our life groups, we were talking about this and how what came up quite often was for his will and for his purpose. and that's the understanding we have to we have to grasp here: His power at work in us, for him. for his glory. And this leads, leads me on to a final point to know our place. Paul outlines specifically how all things are placed under Christ's feet, but also how God appointed him to be head over everything for the church. The church, you and I, the body, we are His. We are His. We are the church and we belong to Him. Everything we do is not for our benefit, but for His. We stand as His representatives. He is the head. William Barclay puts it in a way that is really, really for me, makes it clear. He says, Christ is the head, the church is the body. A head by itself is of no use. A mind, a brain by itself is of no use. The head must have a body which it can direct. The brain, the mind, must have a body through which it can work. The church is quite literally hands to do Christ's work, feet to run upon his errands, a voice to speak his words. We have a responsibility. It's not just a case of taking these things for us. It's knowing our place, that God has all these things, we have power available to us but that, that power is not just for our, for our benefit, our power is to step out in him, to be his hands and his feet, to speak out his words to other people. Tyler was sharing this last week how we've got to know no old place, no our place, and how can we serve? What is our place within the church? Well, how can we serve what can we do? We all have a part to play. It's true, we all have a part to play. We have to remember, Christ is the head. By his spirit, he will direct us and we have to be bold enough to respond to that. Not to, not to hinder that for saying, I don't want to do that, I'm not, I'm not able. But to say, you know what, your powers have worked within, within me. All things are possible. I will step out in you and I will trust you. I will be your hands and feet. I will speak for you. I believe at the end of this section, Paul was given a a culmination of thought. He was saying, in my words, I have heard of your faith and love, but keep moving forward. Know these important aspects, but remember that Christ is the head and all you do is an overflow of your relationship and faith in him, which ultimately glorifies him. Know these things. Don't just you stop. You've placed your faith, you've placed your love in Christ. Don't stop. Know Him better. Know His hope. Know His glorious inheritance. Know His incomparably great power that is available for us. But also, know your place. He is the head, and you are His hands and feet. This is just the opening section of Paul's letter. I was reading when I was reading through this. I mean, I was I was I was taking out, I've got the notes I started off writing here, and highlights and sections, and I was reading through it, and I put in brackets on the side. Just amazing. What more can you say? Just amazing as we spoke in our life groups about God's plan of salvation and then we read how Paul had heard of these of the believers' faith and their love and his prayer that unlocks so much and this prayer that is for us too just amazing and as I shared at the start I believe that this is a prayer that we should be praying for each other on a regular basis. That we should know these things. And we should not forget them. And that's what I kind of that's what I want to do. Is to pray Paul's prayer. But I've reworded it as a prayer for us today. And why don't you stand with me? response is not just coming forward to the front. A response can be opening your hands and receiving it to your heart. And I'm just going to pray. As Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus and the believers there, I'm going to pray this over us. Father God, I pray for us who are gathered here at Center Church that believe in your name and live in faith and love. I pray that you may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know you better. I pray also that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints and your incomparably great power for us who believe. May we recognize our place as your church under Christ who is the head over everything for the church. May you be glorified as we resemble and act as your hands, feet and voice in this world. In your name I pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.